Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 17 this morning. Luke chapter 17, we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 19. I've entitled this message, A Problem Only Jesus Can Fix. Now today we're going to be concluding our series on on miracles. Uh, Next week and the following week after that, I'm going to be doing a series on deacons, on what they are and what they do. You may say, why are you doing that? Because we're going to start the nomination process for deacons coming up. And before you nominate someone to be a deacon, you need to know what the qualifications are. And you need to know what they do. And so over the next two weeks after today, we'll be doing a couple of messages on, it's called Dare to Be a Deacon is the name of the series. And so we'll be looking at that. And then uh, we'll have nomination forms available next week. And those will be due by November the 13th. So be in prayer for that because that's a very important part of our church. It's to nominate spiritual men to help lead and guide our church. And so I ask you to take this process seriously and to nominate men that meet the qualifications and that God has laid on your heart as we go through that, that process. But as we get into this morning's message, I want to remind you of the purpose of miracles. I want to remind you as we conclude this series, why did Jesus do miracles? Jesus did miracles for two reasons. One was to show his power. One was to show he had power over sickness. He had power over death. He had power over disease. He had had power over demons. He had power over nature. Jesus also did miracles to reveal his identity. He did miracles to reveal to those around him that he truly was the Messiah that he was the Son of God, that he was the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And every miracle Jesus did was to supernaturally resolve issues that no one else could. No one else could have turned water into wine and saved the wedding like Jesus did. No one else could have fed over 15,000 people with five loaves and two fish. No one else could have raised the dead or healed the sick or calmed the storms or cast out demons. It was only through the power of Jesus and the name of Jesus that these things could be accomplished. And in our lives, just like Jesus fixed problems that only he could fix, we are going to have problems in our lives that only Jesus can fix as well. But the key to fixing our problems is knowing where to turn when we have a problem. And many people turn to everything in the world to solve the issues they face in life and they ignore the saving power of of God. Many people, when they go through issues and struggles, they want to give up and not persevere. There's a story about a man who was sitting at a, at a bar. He's looking at his drink, and he did this for about half an hour. And then this big, troublemaking dr- truck driver came over to where he was sitting, and he grabbed the drink from him and gulped it down. The man burst into tears, and the truck driver said, Come on, man, I was just joking. Hey, I'll get you another one. I just can't stand to see a grown man cry. The guy replied, it's not that. Today was the worst day of my life. First, I overslept and was late to an important meeting, and my boss was furious, and he fired me. I left the office. I discovered my car had been stolen. The police said there was nothing they could do. I took a cab home, and as he drove off, I realized I left my wallet in the back of his cab. I thought it couldn't get any worse. I walked into my house, and there was a note from my wife saying that she was leaving me. So I stopped by a chemical store and then came here. Since I've been here, I've been thinking about drinking this drink. And then you come in and drink all my poison. See, unfortunately, too many people are like this man. 
They look for hope. They look for answers. They look for happiness in what the world has to offer. And they're looking for answers in the world and hoping the world will bring them joy. And this is a lost cause. Looking to the world to solve your problems will get you absolutely nowhere. If you want your problems to be fixed, if you want to experience joy and peace in this life, you need to turn to Christ and not the world. And when we turn to Christ, we need to do it with an attitude of thankfulness. You know, many people believe they deserve a life of peace. They deserve a life of happiness. And they believe God owes it to them. I'm here to tell you this morning, God owes us nothing except His wrath and His judgment. But praise God for His undeserving grace, His undeserving mercy, and His unconditional love. We must be thankful for what we have. And we must be thankful for what God has done for us. And as we look at our passage this morning, I want you to think about how you respond to the problems of life. Because how you respond to the problems of life will reveal what you believe about God. And it will reveal the depth of your faith in God as well. So before we get to Luke chapter 17, verses 11 and 19, let me give you some context. Jesus is on his last pilgrimage to Jerusalem before he's arrested and crucified. So Jesus decides to pass through Samaria and Galilee. If I don't remember way back when we started the series of the miracles, Jesus had just left the Samaritan woman and the people in the village as a car. And now we're coming right back to where Jesus passes through Samaria once again. And if you recall, normally when Jews went to Jerusalem, they took the longer route across the Jordan in order to avoid Samaria as the Jews despised Samaritans. They saw the Samaritans as being half Jewish because they were half Jewish and they were half Assyrian because of the destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 B.C. by the Assyrians. As you recall, some Jews were exiled to Assyria. Other Jews were left behind and those who were left behind intermarried with the Assyrians. And in doing so, they set up their own system of worship and withdrew from worship in Jerusalem. And as a result of these events, The Jews looked down on the Samaritans and wanted to avoid them at all costs. But Jesus didn't avoid anyone. If you remember the woman in the well in John chapter 4, she was a Samaritan. If you read the Gospels, you see where Jesus hung out with sinners. You see where Jesus was in the company of prostitutes and tax collectors, and he cared for and he showed compassion to all people, regardless of race or ethnicity or, or occupation or socioeconomic background. Jesus loved everyone the same, and he showed no partiality. He broke down ethnic barriers and racial barriers and social barriers, and he expects us to do the same thing as we are to love others. But this morning, we're going to see the care and the compassion of Jesus in action. Because as Jesus went into this village, he was met by ten men who had a skin disease called leprosy. Let's look at Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19 and pull out some some spiritual truths from this passage. Verse 11, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. He entered a village. Ten men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance. They raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. 
he fell face down at his feet thanking him and he was a Samaritan then Jesus said we're not ten cleansed where are the nine didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner and he told him get up go on your way your faith has made you well the first thing I want to point out from this passage is the position of humanity the position of humanity. In verse 12, the men had a skin disease for which there was no human cure. And even though the word used for disease in this particular passage covers a variety of skin diseases, many believe that most of the people back then suffered with what's called Hansen's disease or leprosy. And with leprosy, your skin becomes discolored. It becomes a lighter color. It spreads over the whole body and it forms spongy tumors and lesions on the face. It begins to attack the internal organs and the nerve endings become numb and you can't tell when something is hurting like the burning uh, your hand or skin being pierced with a knife. And leprosy itself was not fatal but more lepers died from other diseases they contracted because of their compromised conditions. And according to society, lepers were like the walking dead. They were ostracized because of their disease. They were kicked out of their homes and villages they were forced to live in colonies with other lepers. They could not work. They couldn't even go to worship at the temple. They had to stay a distance of a hundred paces or six feet from other people. They had to walk on the other side of the road from everyone and yell, unclean, unclean. So people knew that they had leprosy and they needed to be avoided. They couldn't have any physical contact with anyone, including their family. They weren't able to hug their children or their spouse or their parents. And they were ostracized from society until they were given a clean bill of health by the priest. Leviticus 13, 45 through 46 says, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes and let their hair be unkempt. Cover the lower part of their face and cry out, Unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live outside the camp. Now, we may not have a problem with leprosy. We have a problem with a deadly disease that is far worse. We have a problem with a disease called sin. Romans 3.10, Scripture says, None is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And just like these lepers, until we are cleansed of our sin, we are unclean. We are unrighteous. We are spiritual outcasts, and we are unworthy to be in the presence of God. And because we are spiritually unclean, we have a problem that only Jesus can fix. And a spiritual problem, it can't be solved. It can't be resolved by any physical means. And because we have a spiritual problem called sin, there must be a spiritual answer. And there is only one answer for our problem of sin, and that answer is Jesus Christ himself. The only cure for sin is to receive God's forgiveness. And to enter into a personal relationship with Him by accepting His Son, Jesus, as your personal Savior and Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 4, 12 says, The only name under the sun by which we can be saved is the name of Jesus. If you want your sin problem dealt with, you have to let Jesus deal with it. You can't do it yourself. And until you receive Christ, you will continue to suffer in your sin. And your payment for your sin is eternal death. 
is being separated from God forever. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, the payment of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the worst part of hell, it's not, and by the way, hell is a real place. Hell is not a myth. If there's a heaven, there has to be a hell. If there's a hell, there has to be a heaven. There's no in-between. And when you pass from this life to the next, you go to one place or the other, either heaven or hell, based on what you did with Jesus Christ himself. And the worst part of hell is not the internal fire. It's not the gnashing of teeth. It's not the worms that never die. The worst part of hell is being separated from the presence of God forever. And God gives us a choice. We can either choose the punishment of eternal death, or we can choose the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Our sin problem is a problem only Jesus can fix. And if you have received Christ, maybe there's sin in your life that you're struggling with that you need to get rid of by asking God for His forgiveness, asking Him to give you a clean heart. And until you do, your relationship with God can't be what it needs to be and you can't be the person that God wants you to be until you deal with the sin in your life. But whatever situation you're in this morning, whether you've chosen eternal life by giving your life to Jesus or you're, or you're, you're going to face eternal death because you've not chosen Jesus, you need to make your relationship right with God. And you need to do it today knowing that the problem of sin is a problem that only Jesus can fix. And also, you need to do it before you pass from this life to the next. Once you leave this life and go to the next, you can't deal with your problem of sin. Once you go from this life to the next, you can't ask Jesus to deal with your problem of sin. How you choose to deal with your problem of sin must be done before you die a physical death. There is no second chance after you pass this life into the next. The second thing I want to point out is the prayer of humanity. The prayer of humanity, look at verse 13. It says, they stood at a distance. Why do they stand at a distance? Because they knew they couldn't be within six feet of Jesus. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In verse 13, the lepers knew their only hope was Jesus. They knew that nothing else could help them, that nothing, no one else could solve their problem. And they realized without Christ that they were hopeless. They said, Jesus, have mercy on us. And when we realize our state of hopelessness, we need to cry out to God with a loud voice. We need to ask God to withhold what we do deserve which means ask Him to show us mercy and give us what we don't deserve, which means we ask God to show us grace. And we deserve death, but through God's grace and His mercy, He offers us life through Jesus Christ. And these men could not go to the priest for healing. These men, why couldn't they go to the priest? Because they couldn't enter the temple. They could not go to their friends and their family for healing. There was no medical cure. The only hope was to realize their need for help and turn to the only one who could help them, and that was Jesus. And in making the decision they did by going to Jesus, these lepers chose 
a life of victory over a life of suffering and eventually death. And this morning we have the same choice these lepers do. We can continue as we are or we can choose to be changed by Jesus. But unfortunately many people today choose to stay as they are. And I believe there are a couple of reasons that people choose to live defeated lives instead of the victorious lives that Jesus offers. One issue is many times we think we have the answer to our problem. For some reason, we think we are the ones that can solve the problem that we're facing. And in trying to solve our problem, we choose to leave God out of the equation. And we trust ourselves. We trust others. We trust the world more than we do Jesus. And when in reality, Jesus is the real answer. Jesus is the only answer to our problems, whether it's the problem of sin or the problem of suffering. And we need to wake up and realize he's all we, He is all that we need. People are going to disappoint you. Believe it or not, pastors are going to fail you. Family will disappoint you and fail you. Friends will disappoint you and fail you. But God never disappoints. God never fails and he is our only hope and it's only through Christ that our lives can be changed and we can live a victorious Christian life another issue is people deny they have a problem they ignore the message of Christ they think they are no worse than the next person they say well I've never killed anyone well I give to charity I'm a good moral person well I don't do drugs or I don't abuse alcohol I'm better than than many of those hypocrites who call themselves Christians and go to church. You know, and I think one of the problems with Christianity today is people who call themselves Christians but don't act like Christians. That's a huge problem with Christians today. People who say they're followers of Christ, but there is no evidence in their lives that they are following Christ. And how they live is not what they say we believe. If we are a follower of Christ, we need to act like a follower of Christ and not act like the world. And the first step to recovery is to admit you have a problem. You know, you can't overcome an addiction unless you realize you have an addiction. Until you realize you have a problem. And then you have to want to do something about it. It's the same with sin. If you want to overcome sin, you have to admit you have a sin problem. And then you have to desire to do something about it. You have to come to Jesus like these lepers and cry out to Jesus like these lepers. Something else we need to realize is God does not grade on the curve. You know, when I was in school, I loved teachers who graded on the curve. It helped me out numerous times. But here's the problem with the curve. You always have that one smart kid in the class who blows it for everybody else. You're sitting with a 50 or 60 and the friends around you are making the same grade or lower than you are. But there's one kid that sits in the front of the class that takes notes on every single thing. And they make 100 and they blow it for the rest of the class. There should be a special punishment for that kind of kid. But we need to understand that God does not grade on the curve. God grades us on the cross. God is not going to compare us with others. If that was the case, we would all fail because according to Scripture, Isaiah 64, 6, Isaiah said our righteousness is as filthy 
rags. You see, instead, God grades us on whether we were made righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our standard. Jesus is the one by which we will be measured. He is the one person who blew the curve for everyone else. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never made a mistake. Jesus was perfect in every way. And if you want to know where you stand with God, compare yourself to Christ and not others. When you stand before God, it's not going to matter if you say, well, I wasn't bad as so-and-so. I didn't do what they did. That's not going to fly with God. All he's going to look at is if you gave your life to Christ and if you were made righteous by the blood of Jesus. That's all God is concerned about. Psalm 62, 1 and 2, it says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Verse 5 of Psalm 62 says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. My favorite equation that always works and never fails is Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everything. When we have Jesus, He is all that we need. Don't live a defeated life. Don't leave Jesus out of the equation of your life. Put your hope in a foundation that will never be shaken. Put your hope in Jesus. There's a story about a woman who was in the hospital and she got a bad report. And she was so mad at God, she went to the hospital chapel to tell God off and to tell God what she thought about Him. And she was angry at God because she thought God had been fooling people by telling them that He was a God of love. And as she approached the altar in the chapel, she fell flat on her face. But when she looked up, she read what was on the bottom step of the altar. It said this, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. At that moment, God broke her heart. And she realized that she had no business blaming God. Instead, she should be at that altar asking God for mercy. She did. And God healed her. You see, when we have problems and difficulties in our lives, we are not to blame God. We are not to wallow in self-pity. Romans 9.20 says, Who are you, O man, to talk back to God? You see, instead of blaming God for our problems, we are to be like this woman. We are to be like these lepers and admit our need for Him, admit our need to Him, and cry out to Him with a loud voice and say, God, have mercy on me. The third thing I want to show you this morning is the power and provision of God. What happened after the lepers said to Jesus, Have mercy on us. Verse 14. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. In verse 14, we see that they went to the priest as they were cleansed, as Jesus told them to. And notice that Jesus did not heal them right away. Notice they had to obey the command of Jesus in order to be healed of their dreadful disease. Jesus did not lay his hands on them. Jesus did not tell them to rise up and walk because you're healed. Instead of instant healing as Jesus had done in the past, Jesus told them to go to the priest. And notice the lepers didn't complain. 
They didn't grumble. They didn't moan and groan. They didn't even ask the question why. They didn't say, Jesus, after you heal us, then we'll go and see the priest. Instead, every single one of them left the presence of Jesus and went to the priest as Jesus said they should. These lepers took Jesus at his word. Now in Mark 1, 40 through 45, there's a story of Jesus healing another leper. But in that case, Jesus touched that leper and he immediately was healed. Then Jesus told that leper to go to the priest and receive a clean bill of health. Why the difference? I believe in our story, Jesus brought the lepers to a crisis of faith. Because they did not experience the healing power of God. Till they stepped out of faith and obeyed him and then went to show themselves to the priest. You see, faith is just not believing in God. Faith is trusting God. It's obeying God even when it does not make sense. Faith is taking Jesus at his word. Last week we looked at Peter walking on the water. You remember as the storm was happening and the disciples were in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water towards the disciples. Peter said, if it's you, Lord, make yourself known. And Jesus told to Peter, come. And Peter stepped out of that boat and walked toward Jesus as the storm was happening. And it was only when he took his eyes off Jesus that he fell. You see, Peter had to put his faith and trust in Jesus. He had to take Jesus at his word. These lepers had to put their faith and trust in Jesus. They had to take Jesus at his word. And we, as followers of Christ, we need to put our complete faith and trust in Jesus and take him at his word and obey him and trust him even when it does not make sense. And whatever God is asking us to do, we need to be like these lepers. We need to take a step of faith and obey him. And only then will Jesus unleash his power in our lives another thing I want to point out is when we recognize our need for God and cry out to him he's going to meet us at our point of need and his power is going to be evident in our lives these leopards were fighting a losing battle they knew there was no way out except for God to deliver them and they cried out to him and God heard them I remind you of the story in Exodus 14 where Moses and the Israelites, they were on the edge of the Red Sea. They were hemmed in between the Red Sea and the approaching Egyptian army. It was an impossible circumstance they were in. It was a situation that only God could fix. And listen to what Moses tells the people in Exodus 14, 14. He says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You see, the battle appeared to be between the Egyptians and the Israelites. But the battle was really between the Egyptians and God. And the Israelites learned a very valuable lesson. That no battle is too monumental too monumental for God to handle. No battle is too formidable for God to take care of. And this morning you may be in a situation that looks hopeless to you. You may be discouraged. You may be afraid. You may be fighting what you think is a lost cause. You may be facing a vast army and you see no way out. You need to do exactly what the Israelites did and what Moses 
did and the lepers did. You need to turn it over to God. Realizing He's not going to leave you hanging. And let Him give you the victory as He will meet you at at your point of need. Psalms 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in horses, some in chariots. But I trust in the name of the Lord my God. Where is your trust this morning? Are you trusting in horses? Are you trusting in chariots? Are you trusting in the things of the world? Are you trusting in the name of the Lord your God? If you want to overcome your struggle, if you want to win the battle, your trust needs to be nowhere but in the name of Jesus himself. And you need to plug into the power of God through prayer and through scripture. And you need to take God at his word and see his power and his provision in your life. In verses 15 to 18, we see what happens after they were healed. It says, one of them, seeing that he was healed, reminder, there was ten. One returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Did any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? What we see here is only one leper came back. We're not quite sure what happened to the other nine. All we know is they did not return to Jesus, at least at this time. But this one leper, he was not satisfied with just going to the temple and seeing the priest and receiving a clean bill of health. Instead, he desired to return to Jesus, the ultimate high priest. And he praised him with a loud voice. He fell at his feet. And he worshipped him and thanked him. And this is exactly what we should do. We should not just do this when God delivers us from a difficult situation, but we should do this on a daily basis because he delivered us from the depths of our sin and gave us eternal life. And when he went to the cross and gave his life for us, Jesus gave us a clean bill of spiritual health as he cleansed us from our sin. Listen to Psalm 40, verse 1 through 3. Psalm 41 through 3, the psalmist writes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit and out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. We need to learn from this leper that the only appropriate response to Jesus is the response of praise, is the response of thanksgiving. And we need to fall at the feet of Jesus. And as the psalmist said, as this leper did, we need to praise him with a loud voice and thank him for lifting us out of the miry clay and setting our feet on the rock, Jesus Christ. And if Jesus does not do anything else for us, he has already done enough. Say, what do you mean by that? He's given us eternal life in the presence of the true and living God. What more could we ask for? Too many people say, what has God done for me lately? I deserve better than this. In reality, the question should be, what have we done for God lately? And honestly, we deserve nothing at all. It's only by God's grace. 
It's only by His mercy that we have what we have and we are who we are. God does not owe us anything, but we owe God everything. Because He sent His Son, Jesus, as the answer to our problem that we couldn't solve ourselves, the problem of sin. And we need to worship Jesus daily because of what He did for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And falling at someone's feet is a a picture of submission, is a picture of worship. And several times in the gospel, you see people falling at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 10, 38 through 41, it's the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus went to their house to visit them. Remember, Mary ignored everything while Martha kept working. And she ignored everything to do one thing, the most important thing, which was to spend time with Jesus. And you think of the woman at Simon's house in Luke 7, 36 through 50. She spent time at the feet of Jesus, washing his feet with her tears. She wiped his feet with her hair. She kissed them and anointed him. In Revelation 4.10, we see the 24 elders bowing before the Lamb who's on the throne and worshiping him. One of the most important things we can do is to fall at the feet of Jesus and praise Him and worship Him and thank Him. Psalm 42, 5 says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. We must make time in our daily lives to spend time with Jesus. And if we have time for everything else, Surely we have time for our Savior and Lord. And notice something else in this passage. The same type of voice the lepers used to ask Jesus for mercy is the same type of voice they used to praise Jesus. The Bible said they praised, or this one leper praised him with a loud voice. How did they cry out to Jesus at the beginning of the story? They cried out to God with a loud voice see all too often we let God know about our problems but how often do we show God gratitude and when we show gratitude there is nothing wrong about being excited and showing our praise to God there's nothing wrong with clapping in a church service there's nothing wrong with raising your voices and raising your hands giving God the praise and the honor and the glory that he is due we clap and we yell and scream at everything else How many people screamed and yelled yesterday when Tennessee kicked? Well, y'all are UK fans. Probably not many of you, but but I did. I was excited. I was excited. Sorry. But at the UK game last night, how many people were screaming and yelling for UK? Not the first half, but the second half. How many were excited about what was happening? It was loud. It was crazy. Wouldn't it be great if church was like that? What do we do? We come and sit and be silent waiting for the hour to be over so we can go get lunch. We're more concerned about our physical needs than our spiritual needs. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, why wouldn't the most important thing in our lives be the worship and the praise of the God who saved us and rescued us from our sin? We need to let God know how grateful we are for His presence. And that he and he alone are worthy is 
of our worship and our praise. And we need to celebrate with a loud voice what God has done for us. And in verses 17 and 18, Jesus asked three rhetorical questions. He said, we're not ten cleansed? Jesus is not checking the, the academic ability of this one leper. Jesus knew there were ten cleansed. He healed them. He told them to go on their way. And then he says, where are the nine? Jesus knew where they were. They probably went on to the temple to get their clean bill of health so they could be integrated back into society. And then he said, didn't any return to give glory to God except this form? Notice the irony. Jesus called this one leper a foreigner who came back. And what that tells us is this one leper who came back was a Samaritan. Remember, Jesus is a Jew. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. But this one Samaritan came back to Jesus. The other nine were nowhere to be found. Jesus was rejected by his own people. Maybe the other nine took God for granted. Or maybe they got what they wanted. And they desired to have nothing else to do with Jesus. You know, there are many people in this world who are like those nine lepers. There are those who accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and then they do nothing else for him. They take God for granted. They believe they don't have to do anything for God, but yet they still want the blessings of of God. Let's not be like this unthankful crowd, like these nine lepers. Let's be like the one leper who returned and gave thanks to Christ for what he had done for him. And may we be aware of what God has done for us and is, is doing for us. And may we thank him for it. The last point. We see after this leper came back to Jesus and praised him and gave him thanks. We see the promise of God. Verse 19. He told him, get up on your way. Your faith has made you well. Jesus was disappointed the other nine did not return. But to the one leper who did return, Jesus said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well or your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you complete. See, Jesus did not come to this earth to heal people their physical disease or to overthrow the Roman government. He came to this earth to heal people their spiritual disease called sin and to set up a spiritual kingdom. He came to this world as the Lamb of God who takes away our sin. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, which was you and me before we came to Christ. He came because we are in need of a Savior. He came to make us whole. And of the ten lepers that were healed, only this one leper became whole. The other nine, they only received a small portion of what could have been theirs. And they missed out on a tremendous blessing. Jesus wants to do more than clean us up. Jesus wants to make us complete. And when we do not allow him to continue to work in us and through us, and allow him to mold us and make us. We miss out on the blessings that God has for us. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
You see, once we receive Christ, it's just the beginning of our relationship with Christ. It's not the end. Once we receive Christ, as Jesus works in us, we are to continue to work out our salvation, as Paul said, with fear and trembling. We are to strive to be all God wants us to be. And this is a daily process. And each day, we must set ourselves apart for His purpose through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must not ever become content or ever satisfied in our relationship with God. We must always desire to strive to be holy as Jesus is holy. And may we desire to let Jesus finish what he has started in us. This one leper desired for Jesus to finish what he started in him. The other nine didn't care. When you look at your spiritual life this morning, which one are you? Are you the leper who returns to Jesus and says, Jesus, make me whole? Jesus, I want to strive to be holy. I can only do it through your strength and through your power. Are you like the other nine who were satisfied with simply being cleansed and now going their way doing their own thing? Which camp do you fall in this morning? If you've given your life to Christ, there's only one camp you should be in. That's the camp of this one leper who desired to come back to Jesus fall at his feet and be made completely well you see these lepers realized they had a problem only Jesus could fix they cried out to him they asked him to have mercy on them they knew Jesus was their only hope and through the power of God and through the provision of God they were healed and even though ten were healed only one came back thank Jesus for what he had done in his life and in our lives we need to realize that Jesus is not a answer Jesus is the only answer to all the problems we face and we need to come to him and cry out to him as there is not a problem in our lives that Jesus cannot fix and we need to praise him and thank him for what he's done in his life in our lives we need to thank him for his grace and for his goodness, and for his mercy, and for his faithfulness, and for his love. And this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, first thing you need to do is you need to recognize you're a sinner. You need to recognize your need for God. You need to realize that the world doesn't have the answer to your problem of sin. Only Jesus has the answer. And he's the only one who can solve your sin problem. By you coming to Him and giving your life to Him and asking Him to come into your life as your Savior and your Lord. If you've given your life to Christ and you have a relationship with Jesus, is there sin in your life that you need God to remove? Are there struggles you're going through that you're trying to solve on your own and you're leaving God out of the equation? Are you spending time at the feet of Jesus, worshiping Him, thanking Him, and celebrating Him? Do you thank Him with a loud voice, with a voice of excitement? Or do you take God for granted? Are you satisfied with being cleansed? Are you satisfied with Jesus just being your Savior? Or do you desire to have a vibrant relationship with Christ and desire Jesus to truly be the Lord of your life? Are you striving to be like Christ? If you can't answer yes to each of these questions, 
I know I can't answer yes to all those questions. Then guess what? We have work to do. Then you and I need to do business with God. Because we have a problem only Jesus can fix. And this altar is going to be open for you this morning. I'll be down at the front if you need to talk to me about salvation. Or maybe you come to this altar and pray. Maybe God's put something on your heart in regards to this message this morning that he wants you to come and pray about. And, or maybe he just wants you to come and to celebrate him and, to, and for you to give him praise and honor and glory for what he's done in your life. I also want to mention that maybe God's laying on your heart to pray for revival. You know, in your bulletin, there's a, there's a bulletin insert. There's an orange sheet. It's 21 days of prayer for revival. It starts this Friday. And we want to challenge every member of Red House Baptist Church to pray for those things daily. Because guess what? Revival's not going to happen without prayer. It does no good for us just to talk about it. We have to be all in. And revival starts with people who are praying for God's renewal and God's restoring for us as a church and as individuals. And maybe God's laid it on your heart for somebody to invite to the revival. Maybe you need to come and pray that they'll come. But I will say this, if we don't make prayer important in regards to revival, our revival is not going to make a difference. If we want God to work through our revival, if we want God to work in our lives, then we need to.